Welcome to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. Today on the special edition, while we're still on sabbatical from our regular podcasting, we're going to join the editors-in-chief of our three law journals here at the law school. They are Tori Deo, Amanda Potter, and Kristen Davis, and they're going to walk us through demystifying the blue book and how you can join in on all of our law reviews here at Albany Law. I'll let them get into the details of everything here in just a second. A couple of reminders, though, at the top of the show, we always do these, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. Make sure you're up to date on everything to do with the pandemic here at Albany Law School. We always have updates there on our website. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's the best way to know what's going on here day to day at the law school. And of course, if you like this episode of the podcast, you want to hear more either from our law reviews, Government Law Center, Justice Center, anything here at Albany Law School, subscribe or check out our SoundCloud account. Okay, enough from me. Let's hand it over to the trio. And thank you all for coming. We know finals ended yesterday, so we appreciate your commitment. And we are going to record and send it out. So don't feel like you have to like be glued to your computer or take notes during this. Yeah. Um, we can start by introducing ourselves for people that don't know who we are. Um, my name is Tori Deo and I'm editor-in-chief of Albany Law Review. I'm Amanda Potter and I'm editor-in-chief of the Albany Law Journal of Science and Technology, aka SciTech. I'm Kristen Davis, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Government Law Review. And today we're just going to share, uh, it's called the Demystifying the Blue Book. Um, as Kristen said, this is kind of just going to be like a an overview of the Blue Book um, as you all have an interest in doing the write-on competition. Part of the write-on competition involves sub-editing. So the the presentation will be recorded. We will also send you um, the PowerPoint and you are free to use it while you do the writing competition. We encourage you to. Um, so take it all in. Don't feel like you have to take notes as Kristen mentioned, um, but we wanna give you the opportunity to ask questions um, and uh, kind of give you an overview. All right, so I'm gonna share my screen. Can you all see? Um, the PowerPoint, I'm going to start it. Can you see it? Okay. All right. Perfect. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to stop the video and then, um, we will get started in, um, Michele and Sarah and whoever just let me know when you want me to change the slides. All right. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get started. Um, I will, um, you can jump to the, you know, actually don't jump to the next slide yet. Um, what I do want to say about this slide here um, is that when, when, when you're approaching blue booking, the way I like to think about it is think about it like you would um, if you had a, something that's very topical right now, a law school exam. Um, in an issue spotting context, what do we do? We identify whatever our particular issue is we sketch out what the rule statement is for that, and then we apply the rule statement uh, to our fact pattern of an exam. Um, and blue booking is very much the same thing. 
this first step here, identify the source. Um, so you look at the source, that's your issue spotting. What particular source am I dealing with? Is it a case, a constitution, a statute, a law review article, something like that? Um, the second thing you have to do is turn to the blue book to find the particular rule for how to cite uh, that particular source. And then the third step is apply the rule from the blue book to um, the, the fact pattern, which in this case is the particular citation that you have. So I think adopting that paradigm as you go through uh, your blue booking uh, journey, I think um, is a good way to approach it. Now, um, on the bottom here under the heading sources covered in this workshop, we're, we're going to cover the, the six main uh, things that uh, one, make up most of the blue book, and two, that you would have to deal with um, if you are on uh, a journal. Uh, recognize two things, though. One is that um, these are not all the rules um, in the blue book. There are definitely more sources, but we're only covering the big items. And number two is that in this session, we can't teach you everything in the blue book, but we, I think, will teach you enough that you'll have at least the fundamentals um, to get going. You'll definitely have enough to cover most of what is tested on the uh, the, the, the write-on competition. Um, but this is just meant to give you the fundamentals. This isn't meant to teach you every single thing in the book like that. You're just gonna have to learn on your own, unfortunately. Um, okay, Tori, we can jump to the next, um, the next slide. All right, thank you. So uh, first thing we're gonna talk about is cases. And the way I like to think about cases um, is you have this checklist of six things you have to go through. You have to make sure the case name is right, the reporter is right, the particular court is right the year or the date if it's applicable. Um, and then numbers five and six, these will only come up um, if the particular source calls for it. Well, we'll get through um, what, what I mean by that, why it's asterisk. But the first four items are gonna appear in every single case citation you do. Um, always items five to seven will only come up um, if, um, if it's required under very limited circumstances. Uh, Tori, we can jump to the next uh, slide. Thank you. Um, so step one with the case name, um, what you always want to do, and this is the first big item that's in bold here, um, is use the case name that appears at the beginning of uh, the opinion. Um, so what you're not going to include when you do that, first is um, the word the, if the word the is the first word in a party's name. So if you had, for example, um, you know, the United States of America versus so-and-so, you don't have to say the United States, you could just drop the at the beginning. Uh, number two is you only list um, the first party on each side. So if you have multiple parties, only list the first party. You don't have to list every single party. Um, and then also you're going to omit the words at all. Uh, again, if you have multiple parties, you wouldn't say Smith at all versus Jones at all. You would just say Smith versus Jones. Um, and then there's that rule about abbreviating uh, any procedural phrases um, that you see, you abbreviate to either in-ray or XREL. Um, depending on what the particular blue book rule calls for. And again, all of that is housed in 10.2.1, uh, particularly on case names. Um, now under this point, what we call coordinating tables, um, you're gonna see that term used throughout the course of the presentation. And all that means is um, at the back of the blue book, you have um, all these tables um, for typically abbreviation. So uh, table six, this begins on page 304 if we're using the 21st edition of the blue book. Um, any word that appears in that table, same thing goes with table 10 as well, but table six is the big one. Any word that appears in table six that appears in a party name in a citation sentence, you have to abbreviate. Um, but that note that only applies to citation sentences that doesn't apply to what are called textual sentences. 
what that means is um, if I'm saying in the body of my article, in such and such a case, you know, the court did this, um, you don't have to abbreviate in, in that case. But if you're doing a citation sentence, um, so, you know, you have footnote one, and then in the footnote, you put the citation that you have to abbreviate. Um, so again, table six, table 10, anytime words in those um, tables uh, appear in your citation sentence, you have to abbreviate it according to um, the, whatever the abbreviation is in those respective tables. Uh, Tori, you can jump to the next uh, slide. Thank you. Um, all right, step two in our list is to look at the reporter. Um, and the reporter is just three particular things. It's first is the volume. Second is the abbreviation of the particular reporter. Um, and third is the page on which um, that the case begins in that particular reporter. So here's an example um, of a case, uh, 347 US 483. What that means is, uh, I'll start at number two. Number two is the, uh, the case, uh, the, the, the reporter abbreviation. US is always used for, that's the Supreme Court reporter. It's always used, or it's called the United States reporter. It's always used uh, for Supreme Court cases. Um, the first item, number one, 347, what that means is if you have all of the United States reporter books, um, 347 means pick up the 347th book uh, in that series. And then page 483, that's item number three, that is the first page at which this case begins on. So this case here uh, begins on page 483. And you include that in every single citation you do. You always include um, the, the reporter volume number, the reporter abbreviation, and the first page um, that, uh, <clears throat> then the first page that the particular uh, case begins on. Um, let's jump to, we can jump to the next slide, Tori. Excellent, thank you. Um, now in, um, particularly in, in our journals, every journal differs on this point, um, but for the purposes of this competition, you do not have to do parallel citations. Um, so what you would instead do is um, you go to uh, rule 10.3.2, and it just says um, that you cite essentially, um, how, how would you go about citing it? That's the second point here. Whatever the first, uh, if you jump to table one, which has um, for each state and uh, the federal government, what cases you would cite, um, you just cite the first one that's listed. So for example, if we jump to the beginning of table one, um, that's on page 227, and you look under the heading, so table 1.1, federal, judicial, and legislative materials, uh, Supreme Court, it lists the first reporter as the United States reports, and that the abbreviation for that is U.S. So what that means is that whenever you're citing a Supreme Court case um, and there is a US reporter available, you must always use the US reporter. You wouldn't have to then cite the Supreme Court reporter, the lawyer's edition reporter, any other reporters. Um, now, if it happens where, let's say there is no US reporter because the US reporter comes out uh, pretty late, I forget how many years, but it's quite late. Oftentimes you'll see a Supreme Court reporter if you go down the the page on, on 227, that's the, the, the second big item, uh, S dot space CT dot, you often will see that come out first. Um, so if you have, for example, no US reporter, then you can go and cite it to the Supreme Court reporter. But again, we always cite for the purposes of this competition and for the purposes of the journals here at the law school, you always cite to the United States reporter 
um, first. Um, sort of the second big bullet, uh, the, the second sub bullet point you see there, the second circuit. If you're setting to a second circuit case, um, table 1.1 tells you, and this is on the top of page uh, 228, it tells you that you either cite, that you always cite to what's called the federal reporter, and the abbreviation is either F, F second, or F third. Um, if you jump down to the next sub bullet point, the New York Court of Appeals, um, you know, in practice, you would cite to the New York reporter. However, the Blue Book rules tell you that you're supposed to cite to the Northeast reporter. And because the Northeast reporter is listed first, that's who we cite to um, for the purposes of this competition. Um, and then the last big bullet point there, table 1.1 will tell you um, all the, the federal courts. Table 1.3 is broken up for all, um, all 50 states um, and the District of Columbia, how you would go about report, uh, citing to a case from that particular state. Um, okay, we can jump to the next uh, slide, Tori. Thank you. Um, now, when you are doing, um, one of the important things you want to be mindful of when you're doing um, these, um, when you're citing to a case, is make sure that you're citing to the proper page number for that particular reporter. So if we look at, um, at this screen printout, this printout from a case I put, you see at the top, it says here, um, 31 New York 3rd, 312 comma star 322. What that means is that, um, so the single star that you see, that is the pagination for the New York reporter for the 31 NY 3rd 312. Uh, if you continue a little bit, you see 101 uh, Northeast 3rd 366 comma 372 with two asterisks. So what that means is that if you were citing to the Northeast reporter, um, then that begins uh, on page 372. So the two asterisks denote the page number for the Northeast reporter. So uh, let's use an example. Let's look at um, the red underlined text um, on this case. So what you would have to do is go earlier in the source and see, remember, because we're using the Northeast reporter, um, this is a court of appeals case, by the way, because we're using the Northeast reporter, um, we have to look for the page designation with two stars. Um, and if we jump to the beginning of that paragraph, we see that the page designation, the one with the two stars, is 373. So if I was citing this particular line, I would have to cite it um, as being on page 373. You would not cite it as being on page 323 because that is the page number that corresponds to the New York reporter. And we know from uh, the previous slide that we do not cite, when we're citing to the, to the New York Court of Appeals for law review purposes, we do not cite um, to the New York reporter. We cite to the Northeast reporter. Um, and just like you wouldn't use page 905 because that's for the New York series. And we do not cite to New York series in law review. We cite to the Northeast reporter. Okay, we can jump to the next, um, to the next slide. Um, now with reporters, this is something that you won't see very often, but I think it bears uh, mentioning. And this is, um, um, a weird exception in uh, Rule 10.8.1 that often comes up, and this is for what's called pending and unreported cases. And what what that means, pending and unreported cases, um, are essentially cases that just came out so recently that um, they don't have they haven't been assigned yet a particular Northeast reporter or an um, or a, a Supreme Court reporter. So you would have to cite to them. Uh, they they're only up on let's say Westlaw or Lexis. Um, and here's just the structure for how you um, go about citing it. You'd put the case name, you'd have to pull up the docket number, 
um, then the, the database identifier, um, and then comma at, and then a particular pin site. In this case, it's gonna be whatever page corresponds to, um, to that particular entry. Um, just note that again, with table 12, um, any dates you have to abbreviate accordingly. Um, and then again, that's on that, that would be according to um, table 12. Um, okay, the next big item you have to look for is um, make sure that, and you, you make sure that you properly indicate what court um, this particular case comes from. And uh, I'll give you an example. If you, so like I said earlier, if you remember, um, anytime you're using the abbreviation um, U.S. That's the United States reporter. And like I said earlier, um, that only, uh, only the United States Supreme Court uses that reporter. So because of that, you would not have to indicate. Um, you wouldn't have to say, for example, here's my, um, my citation to uh, the Supreme Court reporter, or I'm sorry, the United States reports, uh, and then in brackets, oh, by the way, this came from the Supreme Court. You don't have to do that. Um, if you look under the heading exception, um, so state's highest court, just put the abbreviation of that state. If you look at this particular case here, uh, the citation, 590 Northwest 2nd, 61. Um, just looking at that citation, uh, put aside the Michigan 99 for a second, just look at the reporter, 590 Northwest 2nd, 61. If you looked at that, you would not know what court that's from because many courts um, use the Northwest reporter. Um, so because just looking at that part, 590 Northwest 2nd, 61, because you would not know what court this came from, um, you would have to indicate parenthetically what court it came from. Um, so in this case, um, it came to come from Michigan. So because it's the state highest court, you just put the abbreviation for that state. Otherwise you would have to put um, the full abbreviation for that particular court. Um, so for example, um, I'll give you a, another example on this point. When we're citing to, let's say the second circuit, um, we know that they use um, from page 228, table one, that they use the federal reporter. Um, but the problem is all the circuit courts of appeals use the federal reporter. So um, in this case, what I've called here is the, the second circuit, F second. That's not obvious. I look at a citation to F second and I don't know what court that's to. So because it's not obvious, I have to put in brackets the uh, abbreviation for second circuit, which is uh, 2D space CIR dot. Because again, looking at the particular reporter, it's not obvious what court it's from. So that's always the rule. You always have to indicate in brackets what court it's from. The exception is if it's obvious from the citation that it could only be referring to one particular court. Um, this is again, a really big rule that uh, you're all gonna wanna be mindful of when you're doing uh, the, 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 the competition. Uh, we can jump to the next, um, the next slide. Um, okay, so you're always gonna have to put the year. And when you indicate the year, it has to be the year that the opinion came out. Don't put the year it was argued or the year that um, the case was initiated. It's always the year uh, when the particular opinion you're citing to came out. Um, the exception to this rule though, is you're only, you're only gonna put the date um, if what you retrieved is from some type of uh, database. Um, and that'll usually be because the opinion is so new, it just came out that the, the people who compile all the different reporters haven't had time to put it in the reporter yet. Um, that's the only time you would put the date. Otherwise, you're almost you're always going to put the year. Very rarely would you put the date again. Only put the date when it's um, a new case that hasn't been assigned to a reporter yet. 
Um, okay, now let's move now. Now we're all now into the optional stuff where everything I've just mentioned has to appear in every single, um, every single citation you do. All of this stuff now, steps five, six, and seven, these are all essentially discretionary things where the author can decide whether or not to include these things. And if the author decides to include these things, um, here are the rules we have to consider. So the first thing is uh, the weight of the authority. So there is a rule in the blue book that says, excuse me, this is in 10.6. And it says, anytime you are citing to something that is not the single clear holding of the majority. So if it's, let's say a procurium opinion, a memorandum opinion, it's a plurality opinion, if it's a dissenting opinion, if it's a concurring opinion, you must indicate parenthetically um, of this designation. So that this Rodriguez case, for example, um, if I'm citing to page 377 of the opinion, well, that's a dissenting opinion. Because it's a dissenting opinion, I have to indicate in brackets, oh, by the way, this is not the main opinion, this is uh, one of the dissents. Um, the next rule here, uh, quoting or citing parentheticals um, in case citations. Um, this is going to be, this is definitely going to come up on uh, in your law review journey. Um, this is a big thing on, on the, the writing, on the write-on competition you should be aware of. Um, and this is when you are citing to a case that then goes on to cite to another case. Um, so if um, the case that you are citing uh, only uh, cites another case. So in other words, the assertion that they're taking from another case doesn't have, uh, isn't in uh, quotation marks, you would only use the term citing. It's called the citing parenthetical. And that's the example listed there. Uh, I, I, that's, that's what's put as an example. Uh, if the case you are citing goes on to quote another case, so it, it grabs an assertion from another case and it puts it in quotation marks, um, then you would say quoting the other case, and you do that parenthetically. And, and the way you treat the parenthetical is you cite what's in the parenthetical exactly as you would as if it was a standalone case. Um, and there's an example here, the, the second sub bullet point of the, the second main bullet point um, of how you would go about doing a citing parenthetical. And again, quoting parenthetical looks exactly the same. You just replace citing um, with quoting. Uh, we can jump to the next slide. Now, um, Sometimes authors will decide to include uh, what are called explanatory parentheticals. This is where um, they, they want to explain something uh, in, hence the explanatory parenthetical, they want to explain something in the parenthetical that maybe they don't make um, in the actual argument of the text, but they, they want to mention it. Um, <clears throat> so this is here how you would um, structure what's called an explanatory parenthetical. Um, the one thing I would note, about explanatory parentheticals um, is you do not include a period on the inside um, of the parentheticals. So if you look here, uh, so noting that uh, conventional strict scrutiny is uh, strict in theory, but fatal yeah, in fact, I don't put a period at the end of the word fact. I just say fact, close quote, close parens, then put a period. Um, that is not the case for what are called quoting parentheticals. And quoting parentheticals um, are the next point. And that is where the entire parenthetical is a quote. Um, in that case, when the entire parenthetical is a quote, there's two things you have to be, you have to start the parens uh, with a capital letter. So that might include, um, you know, if, if the quote normally starts with the lowercase, you have to put in square brackets, you have to uppercase it. So that, that's what's happening here with the word not. Um, and then you have to add a period at the end of the quote. Um, even if, um, 
the particular um, quote you're grabbing, you know, continues, you have to add a period. Uh, so you have to indicate again, that, that, that's where it differs. There's a, it starts with a capital letter and there's a period, um, and there's a period at the end of, um, at the end of the parenthetical. Um, okay, we can move on to the next uh, slide. Um, this one, this is not big business um, in, um, in law review articles, I find in citations, but um, something that you definitely wanna be mindful of. And these are what, what are called special citation forms. Um, so in other words, the most common one is what is called prior and subsequent history. Um, and this is in 10.8, there's rules on when you must include prior and subsequent history. Again, I'm not gonna teach that to you in this presentation, but it's in rule 10.8, you should be aware of it. Um, uh, usually you're not gonna do this. It's only very rare that you are required to put prior or subsequent history. Um, and you're only gonna do it um, if it's relevant to the point you're making. Otherwise, you're typically not going to, to put it. So here's an example of one. Um, so um, yeah, there it is, it's highlighted. The highlighting, you don't have to highlight it. This is for illustrative purposes only, but that's, that's how you'd go about doing it. Um, the big thing to note is just whatever's, um, whatever subsequent history you have to italicize. Otherwise, everything's normal Roman text. Um, now, the last big item um, with our special citation forms, and this is definitely gonna come up and this is something you need to be aware of, um, is what is called, uh, these are called short form case sites. Um, and when you can, so a short form case site either refers to a short site uh, or an id site, for example. That, that's, um, that's typically what is meant by a short form case site. And the rule on that um, is you would use a short form in any of the following two situations. Uh, first is when the site, or the, the authority you are citing to is already cited in the same uh, footnote, then you can use a short site. Um, or, and this is the, the, the big one, this 10.9, 10 um, the second example I have here listed, um, this is really big for law review articles. And you wanna make sure every single case, this, this really only applies to cases, but every single case you're doing, um, I guarantee this is gonna come up on, um, in your law review journeys, um, is you can put the short form site for a case uh, if that particular case, either in full, short, in, in, in any capacity, if it is cited in one of the preceding five footnotes, uh, this is often called the five footnote rule, Again, 10.9, it's a really important rule that I think you all need to make sure you're aware of. Um, so what that essentially says, uh, and again, I'll, I'll, it bears repeating. So I'll, I'll, I have no problem entertaining questions on this and I'll, I'll repeat the rule again, it's really important. Um, if you're citing to a case and in any of the five previous footnotes, so you count back to any of those five footnotes, it mentions that case in any capacity, whether it's a full site, a short site, an id, if it mentions it in any capacity, then you can put a short site. Otherwise, you have to do uh, a full site to your case. So that may require you to do a full site to a case multiple times. That often happens in law review articles. That's something you have to be aware of. It's not like in, in memo writing where, you know, you, you, if you cite to a particular source on page one, you have 100 citations in the middle, and then you cite to a source on page 50 of your brief, you can do a short site. Um, no, no, in, in law review articles, the rule is, if you cite to a case in a short form, you have to make sure a citation to that case appears um, in any of the previous five um, footnotes. So again, 10.9, make sure you review it. This is a very important rule that's gonna come up um, as you go through, um, um, as you go through 
uh, your law review journey. So we, we can jump to the next slide. Uh, but again, a very important role. So here's an example here um, of just a, a regular case um, to show the sort of full citation versus short cite. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so you have the full citation here with our abbreviations. Um, one thing I will note with the short site, um, the short site there, it's italicized only for illustrative purposes. Um, um, no, not, you know, you, you, the, the short site is proper. Um, it just, that, that's how when you're doing a short site, you only want to cite to the first, uh, the first name of a party. Um, sometimes you can do a short site to a second name of the party, but that's usually very rare. The only time you would ever short site and use the second party name for the short site is if, um, uh, let's say either the, it would be unclear using the first party name um, who uh, you are referring to. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the rule there on, um, on, on short site, how you go about doing it. Um, I'll also talk about constitutions just very quickly before I turn it off to our next speaker. Um, constitutions are relatively pretty straightforward. There's nothing really too earth shattering going on with, with constitutions. Um, pretty much every constitution that you cite, there's three things you have to, to include. First is a designation of whatever state or state or, or federal constitution you're citing to. So if you look at the example, um, two examples are listed, u.s. or l.a. Those indicate what state, in the case of the example, the second one, the Louisiana constitution, in the case of the first one, it's the constitution. So you have to indicate um, what constitution are you citing to. Um, the second thing you have to include is the word, the abbreviation for constitution, which is C-O-N-S-T dot, um, and that's in small caps. Um, and then the third thing you want to include is what particular section to the constitution you're citing to. Um, so that would include article, uh, section, clause, part, any of those abbreviations. Um, and in, in rule 11, they have a breakdown of what all the abbreviations, like it references uh, all the abbreviations for the different subparts that you would use. Um, and that's that's uh, table 16 uh, right there. So again, the two tables you're gonna wanna use for constitutions, table 10, um, that's all your geographic units. And then table 16 are all the, the rules for the particular subparts of the constitution. So preamble, um, stuff like that. Um, the other thing you want to indicate about constitutions, this doesn't come up too often, but it's something I think you should be aware of. Um, is if you are citing to a part of a constitution that has since been um, repealed, you have to indicate that. So for example, uh, if you're citing to the 18th amendment, we know that that has been repealed, that that's the, um, that's the, the prohibition amendment, that has since been repealed. So you'd have to indicate that, hey, this thing I'm citing to, it's been repealed, so it's, it's not good law anymore. You have to indicate that in a parenthetical. Um, there's the rule on citing to multiple amendments. You just separate them. Uh, with commas, uh, if you want to do it in one clause, or you can break it up um, by using a semicolon, either is fine. Um, and with constitutions, we would never do, uh, for a short form, we never do supras and here and afters. It's only ever the regular citation um, or a, an id citation. Um, that is it for constitutions, everything you need to be aware of. Uh, I'll turn it over, I guess, to another speaker who's going to talk to you about statutes and, and other stuff as well. Hi everyone, my name is Sarah and I am the Managing Editor for Research and Writing for Government Law Review. So I'm going to talk about statutes first. So the basic format for the statute citation 
um, is on the slide. So title numbers, abbreviation of code cited, the specific section cited, including the section symbol, and in parentheses, the date of the code edition cited, and that's the year. Um, so I don't really want to flesh out all the rules because they're kind of specific um, and they're really state specific as well and jurisdiction specific. But 12.2 um, explains when to use each of the basic citation forms. So whether it is um, currently in force or has been repealed. And then 12.3 discusses um, official and unofficial codes. 12.4 talks about session laws. And then 12.5 goes through electronic media and online sources and shows how you use hyperlinks in the statute citation. The main table that you'll use for statutes is um, T1.3, which talks about state level and DC statutes. Um, the statutory compilations in that table the syntax is really specific to each jurisdiction. So as you can see on the two examples, New York Cannabis Law, Section 75, you cite to the McKinney Laws, 2021, um, versus the Alaska statute here, which, um, as the note says, uses small caps, whereas New York doesn't. So there's some syntax you know, differences between states. So it's really just looking at that table to note the differences in statutes. You can go. Thank you. Um, for the U.S. code, that is the preference for any official federal um, code whenever possible that you should cite to the USC. All USC citations should include the abbreviated name of the code found in Table 1, which is printed in large and small caps, the section, paragraph, or article number of the statute, and the year of the code that you're citing. You also want to give that statute's name only if the statute is commonly cited that way or if it would otherwise aid in identification. So usually the numbers are good enough for the USC, but if it's um, a commonly cited law, you can include the name that it might use. So that's it for statutes. Now I'm gonna talk about rule 15, which is books, reports, and any other non-periodic material, which does include um, treatises, reports, white papers, dictionaries, encyclopedias, um, so it's kind of comprehensive. All right, so these are the main things that you'll want to include, just like with some of the, the um, citations McKelly talked about, some of these are not applicable in every situation, but the main parts are author, editor, translator, if there is one listed, the title of the book, the page, section, or paragraph that you're citing, the edition and publisher only if included, and the date that it was published. So I'm going to go through a few of the little nuanced rules. Um, for authors, for books, you'll want to give the author's full name. So however it's listed um, in the material that you're citing, if it includes a designation or a title, such as doctor or the third or the fourth, um, you'll want to include however they prefer their name to be shared. And you're also going to want to put the author's name in small caps. If there are two authors, you put the or you put them in the order that they appear in the text, and you separate them by an ampersand, which is the and symbol, not by the word and. Um, and if there's more than two authors, you oops, sorry, you list the first, and then you follow by et al. So if it's an institutional author, this is where you use the smallest subdivision that prepared the work then you cite the overall body of which the subdivision is part and you separate those with commas. 
and you want to look at table 10 to abbreviate any special words or geographical terms in table, special words in T6 and ge geographical terms in table 10. So in the example here, you can see it's published by the National Registry of Certified Medical Examiners, but it has a title from the FMCSA, the Medical Examiner Handbook. So it's cited as the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, comma, the US Department of Transportation, comma, the National Registry of Certified Medical Examiners. So you go from the smallest to the largest group that published it. For the editor, you only include the editor's name and the translator's name in that order if it's applicable. So if it is included um, in the, the citation of the book or if it's you know, edited by someone, then you would include it, but it's not, it's, it's not super common. Um, and the same rules apply as in 15.1 and it's inserted in the parenthetical. For the title, you put the title from whatever text it is, dictionary, anything, exactly as it appears in the text. Same rules apply as in 15.1 and for capitalization, you use rule eight. So 3.2 talks about the page um, and then 3.3 is section or paragraph. So you put the page number or the section and paragraph number that you're citing. So you're gonna wanna get as specific as possible um, and share any page or sections that you are citing. And so you can look to those specific rules for those citations. Um, the addition, again, is something that's optional if it's included. If there is an addition, sometimes, you know, books are just a one-off and they don't have different additions. But if there is an addition, um, more than one, you put it. If there's only one addition, then you can skip this step and you just insert um, any, any addition, more than one, in the parenthetical where it goes. And then coordinating tables for 15.4 are table 14. So in the example, editor becomes ED period. Um, 15.4 talks about publishers. So as with the additions, it's optional if only you only include the publisher's name if it is not the original publisher. So if you're citing to the version that was originally published, then you can skip this step. And then for the date, you only put the year. Unless there are semi-annual editions, then you would specify, you know, if it's like a January, July edition, you could do the January 2021 edition or the July 2021 if necessary. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm going to talk a little bit. Oh, I should probably turn my camera on. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about periodical materials. Can you do the next slide, please? Thank you. So um, these are things that are published periodically. So law review articles, published articles in other academic journals, symposium, newspapers. A lot of your citations are going to be uh, periodicals. Can you do the next slide, please? Um, so there's two different ways to do a periodical, and it depends on if it's consecutively paginated or non-consecutively paginated. So you can kind of tell by looking at an article whether or not it's consecutively paginated or not, because um, consecutive, consecutively paginated journals will have a, a larger amount of like page numbers than non-consecutively. Um, but for the purposes of this competition, we're going to tell you um, to treat all of them as consecutively paginated. So just remember that if you do make it onto a journal, it's not going to automatically be consecutively paginated. But for the purpose of this competition, you kind of want to just pay attention to that. Um, so what we have here are examples of both. Can you do the next slide? 
So this is uh, generally how a consecutively paginated journal is done. You have the full name, then you have the article title, the volume number, the abbreviation of the journal, the first page, and then a pen site. And a pen site is just the page number where the information is actually found, and then the year that it was published. Can you do the next slide, please? Um, so what I did here is sometimes it can be hard for you to figure out where that information is. So what we did is we color coded it. So you'll be able to tell exactly where you find that information in an example. So the title is up at the top highlighted in green and then we have the author's name up at the top over here. We, um, in the red, you'll see the page, uh, the year that it was published. Can you do the next slide please? And then over here, um, Albany Law Review was the journal and that's in purple. We have the volume number in uh, blue. The pin site is in this gray, and then uh, again, the year. In a lot of journals, they'll have the uh, journal name on one page, and then the next page, they'll have the name of the article. So you, if it's not, if all the information might not be on the same page, so you might have to circle uh, through a couple of pages to find that. Next, oh, thank you, perfect, we're in sync. Okay, some things to be aware of with periodical materials. Um, the author's name is in ordinary Roman type, so you don't have to do anything special to it. Um, and 16.3 says that you should use the full periodic periodical title as it appears on the title page. And that includes any um, like um, subtitles as well. You are not going to abbreviate or omit anything in the title. Even if it appears in like T6, you keep it completely the same. Um, and again, for the purposes of this competition, all journal articles are gonna be treated as consecutively paginated articles. Um, coordinating tables that you wanna um, be, uh, be aware of uh, T, are gonna be T6, T10, and T13. And what you're gonna use that for not, is not for the title, but to abbreviate the name of the journal itself. Next slide, please. Okay, so that was uh, rule 16. Now it's rule 18. So this is the internet. Obviously the internet's gotten a lot more um, popular. So you'll be using this a lot. Can I have the next slide, please? So this is everything that's a non-traditional source. So it includes any web pages, any films, songs, blog posts, social media. Um, one important thing to note about the internet, you should be only using rule 18 if there's no other rule on point. So just because something's on the internet doesn't mean that's the only place where it is. So if there's an excerpt of a chapter of a book on, an, on a web page, you shouldn't be citing to the web page. You should be citing to the actual book itself. So if it exists in print form, you should be uh, citing it as the print form version, not as the version you found on the internet. You should only be doing it as the internet if that's the only place where it is. Um, we just have the example from the blue book um, about how you do a commercial recording right there. Um, next slide, please. So this is the general um, way you're gonna do it. So you're gonna have the author's name um, and then you'll have the title and then the domain name, which is just the web page name. Um, you're gonna have the date and the time followed by the URL. And again, we color coded it so you'll be able to find it. Um, so the name, and then we have, uh, you guys can look at that. And then the difference, if you have a subheading from a link, like a main page, what you do is you um, put the title first and then the main title of the, um, you do the title of like the article that's being done and then the main title of the website. So here we see what happens when a convicted killer moves to town. That's the name of the article. And then New York Times is the main uh, site. So that's why you would cite there. Next slide, please. Okay, um, author and title rules are exact, exactly the same as books. So it makes it a little bit easier. 
Um, the domain rules, you cite that similar to how you would do a publisher of a book. Um, one important thing to talk about with time, if the time itself, so like 3.32 p.m. is not posted, you don't have to put that time in. You only have to include it if it says it on the webpage. Um, but you do need to have a date. If the date is not posted, then what you're going to do is you're going to use last visited and put that date um, that you last visited it. And you're going to uh, abbreviate the month according to um, the table. I think it's T9 that uh, has all the month names. Make sure you pay attention to that. Um, again, uh, the big one that you might use is T13 and T10. So you're going to use those for um, abbreviating the domain rules. Again, not the title of the article, but the domain name rules. Next slide, please. Okay. Do you guys want me to cover this or? Okay, I'm just gonna keep going. Um, so- Sorry, I, I couldn't find my unmute. I can no. do it if you want me to. <laughs> oh, sure, um, go ahead. That's fine. So um, these are just some miscellaneous rules that will come up. Often you will use these rules if you're on a journal, um, but they could come up in the write on competition. So, short forms, we have rules 4.1, 4.2. 4.1 is when you use id as a short form, you don't use it for every source. You have to be careful that you're only using it for the appropriate sources. You use it to cite preceding authority, and the prior footnote must contain must only contain one authority. So oftentimes if an author is making an assertion, they could be using multiple sources to support that assertion. So you can only use um, id if the previous um, footnote that you're um, citing from was the only source. So um, just be mindful of that. And then 4.2 is supra. This is another short form. It's only used for specific sources. So you have to make sure that you're only using it when you're supposed to. Um, here, supra can be applicable to authorities cited. Um, we have books, periodicals, the internet, and the typeface of the author's name must match its original appearance. Typeface meaning italics, short caps, just regular. So it should match how it was originally cited. And we have an example on the bottom. Um, uh, you can take a look at it. We have an example how it would be used with id or how it could be used as supra. If you notice, um, actually, you can just take a, a peek at it when um, you have the opportunity to look at it further. Um, and then quotations will come up as well. And quotations, um, there are a couple specific parts of rule five regarding quotations that come up often in journal work um, and will be applicable in the writing competition. So um, the big ones that we want you to be mindful of is quotations that are 50 or more words have to go in a block quote. If you look to the right, I don't know if you can see my cursor, but um, I'm circling what a block quote looks like. Um, I believe the blue book actually goes into detail on like what the margin size um, is. And it has to be, if an article is double spaced, the block quote is single spaced. You also can look online, you can Google it. I, I'm not like incredibly tech savvy. So it took me a minute to like kind of figure out how to adjust the margins and such, but um, it is it is easy. Um, so 50 or more words go in a block quote. If you're making any, um, if the author has made any alterations, 
or if in your own legal writing have made alterations, any substitutions to language, um, quoted language from the original source should be placed in brackets to indicate that there's some difference between um, the assertion you're making or the author made and what the original source said um, and omissions. So sometimes an author will have a long sentence and only part of it will be applicable to the assertion or the point that they're trying to make. And so you use ellipses to indicate that there's text missing um, from the original source. So um, we have alterations. Um, my cursor is circling kind of you can see here, the original source just said the judge um, probably said like dismissing. Um, here, we're indicating that the author changed the ending there. Um, and then omissions, again, right down here, I'm assuming that everyone they invited will attend. We know that there was language in where the um, ellipses that was in the original source. Um, introductory signals are really, really big. Um, introductory signals uh, are used when you're trying to indicate how the source that the author is citing to supports their assertion. So sometimes authors will include sources that contradict their assertions to kind of juxtapose the assertion they're making with an assertion that the author and the source made. But typically authors are, in um, including sources to support their assertions. So the big ones that we see are SID, um, C. We also, um, we can also see no signal and no signals are typically used when the author is directly quoting the source. So um, rule 1.2 has a list of the introductory signals that are typically used, as I mentioned, support, we have C or EG. Um, take a look at 1.2. It gives you information on when C would be appropriate, when, as I mentioned, you don't include any signal, and when that would be appropriate, when EG would be appropriate. Comparisons, you don't see this as much, but um, we have, uh, you know, an example here, and then signals that uh, indicate contradiction, but C, um, there's information in 1.2 providing on when you would use that. Um, and so that is everything substantively as it relates to the blue book. We went over a ton of information. I mean, uh, we've been talking for an hour at you, um, but we really, we wanted you to have the opportunity. We're assuming that intro to lawyering, you had the chance to use the blue book, but you're gonna be using it in a different capacity if you're interested in being on a, a law journal. And so, these are the rules that we will be expecting you to be able to apply, um, identify and apply in your writing as a sub-editor if you make it onto a journal and in the write-on um, write competition if you're interested in participating. So um, as I mentioned, if you have any questions, please reach out to myself, Michele, Liz, Sarah, Kristen, Amanda. Um, we're here to help you. Um, but some important dates that you should be mindful of. If you would like to join a journal next year, it's in your best interest to participate in the writing competition. If you were present at our um, journal information meeting, we spoke about how uh, certain students can grade on automatically to journals. But even if you're at the very top of your class, um, you probably won't get your grades 
prior to, definitely not prior to when you need to let Katie Palmieri know that you want to participate in the competition, but probably even before the competition starts. So if you want to be on a journal, you really, really should be um, at least starting the write-on competition. And then if you find out in the middle of the competition that you actually graded on, then you, you don't have to continue. But um, if you are eligible and you choose not to, um, if you're eligible and you choose not to participate in the first time when you're eligible, you will be precluded from participating in the future. So we want to make that really clear. Um, December 23rd, if you want to if you want to be in the competition, please notify Katie Palmieri by that date. Um, it doesn't say the time, but we really would like all people to let her know by 5 p.m. Um, that way she can start organizing the anonymous numbers. The competition is completely anonymous. Um, so sh she works on the back end so that we don't know who is who. We have our email right there. The competition will be taking place January 2nd to the 9th. Um, we wanted everybody to have the chance to enjoy their holiday. Um, we all just finished finals too. So we're all, you know, a little fried right now, but the second to the nine is when the competition will be taking place. And during that time, it's a seven day um, window or one week span, but you have five days from when you open it to when you have to be finished with it. So you can work on it over a few days. And that's what we would suggest that you do, not do it all in one session. Um, and again, any questions you have on the process or what the competition really is, please reach out. We did have a meeting. We can send you the recording where we go into detail about what the competition really entails. And then um, we are we don't have a specific date, but we have late January listed. We're hoping to let everybody know um, who, who wrote on based off of your writing in the competition. Um, invitations to the journals. We are, we're hoping to let you know if you get on before the beginning of the spring semester, but obviously we have a really tight turnaround um, and the spring semester, I believe, starts on the 18th of January. So, um, you know, so we're, we're going to be a little bit flexible on the time on when we let you know, but you will know shortly before or shortly after school starts the journals, whoever, um, if you get onto a journal, they'll do an orientation for you so that you know how to proceed. And, um, and if, and if you don't get onto a journal, you also will know, you'll have a notification that we extended all the invitations out as well. Um, do we have any, Kristen and Amanda, would you like to add anything? I just have a general a tip if you're, for going through it. Um, whenever you're going through and checking a citation, just go directly through the rule in the blue book. It sounds really simple, but a lot of people forget to do that. And if you go rule by rule in like rule 16 or something, you're gonna you're gonna get the answer right because this is open book. All the answers are there. Um, another thing, I don't know this is covered. You're using the white pages, not the blue pages. I feel like it was said, but I really wanna make sure you understand that because in lawyering you use the blue pages, you're gonna be using the white pages for this competition. And I just wanna say, you know, take your time with the competition. You have, you have a lot of time to complete it. Um, you may not use all of it, you probably won't. So don't rush it. Like Tori said, spread it out over a few days, you know, really give it your all and definitely do it. If, even if you attended this, just cause you wanted to learn about the blue book and you're on the fence about you know wanting to write on definitely do the competition
And if, if anybody has any questions regarding whether they're eligible to participate in the competition, whether um, what, when there's, when you should be participating in the competition, depending on when you started school, please reach out to any one of us. It's a little bit confusing now that we have students starting at different times of the year. And also we have different, um, we don't, we have the traditional JD three-year students. Now we have four-year, we have two-year. So we understand that that's a little bit confusing. So, um, no question is a stupid question. It took us a while to kind of work through the kinks ourselves. Um, please, please ask because we do not want anybody to not um, get on a journal because there was a misunderstanding on when they should have, you know, participated. And that's all we have. So if anybody has any questions, we have obviously a very small group. Um, see, no questions. Please reach out.